It was a duel of the fates on the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I've got my thoughts right now. This review is brought to you by Storyblocks, which gives you access to over 1 million pieces of footage, music, images, sound effects, and more. Check out storyblocks.com Dan and stay tuned till the end of this review for more info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review of part six of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the first season series finale. We don't really quite know at this point. I want to say up top, I apologize if I'm a little low energy or a little hoarse. This is actually my second time doing this because I did a whole review, took me half an hour to shoot at 4.30 in the morning, sat down to edit it and had an audio error. And I probably could have just rolled with it, but it would have sounded like garbage and I'd prefer to put out something nice. So here we are now at 5.30 in the morning and I'm just now sitting down to record take two of this. So I'm gonna do my best to get through it with the same amount of energy that I had the first time. There will be no third take. So if this sounds terrible, it's just because I couldn't do any better. I, th I think I fixed what was wrong though. So let's get into this finale, and I said last week that I didn't really know what to expect from it based on what we've gotten from previous weeks because it's been kind of a mixed bag. I've also said in previous weeks, though, that I think that the key to this season is the conflict between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was not pleased with their first confrontation back in the third episode of this series, but for me, their confrontation in this episode, in the finale, was maybe one of my, I, I mean, it's so fresh, so I don't wanna jump right to it. I think it's one of my favorite Star Wars things ever, but it is definitely one of my favorite Star Wars things of the Disney era. I was really worried that all this hype about the rematch of the century was setting the show up to fail. It was not going to be able to deliver on what they promised, but they were actually able to give what I thought was a great confrontation in this episode. It started out with a great backdrop. Obi-Wan leaves everybody behind because he knows that he's drawing Vader to them and putting them in danger. He goes to this deserted planet, so we have this kind of uh, rock filled landscape. It's dark enough for the lightsabers to really pop, but not too dark that you can't quite see what's going on. I think that was a little bit of an issue with their first showdown back in the third episode. You start this duel with the call back to Obi-Wan's line from Revenge of the Sith. Have you come to destroy me, Obi-Wan? I will do what I must. And the choreography I thought was much improved on this episode versus the first fight between uh, Vader and Obi-Wan in the series. And I know what they were trying to do in that third episode. Obi-Wan wasn't really tied into the Force, and so it was awkward and clunky, McClunky, if you will, uh, for a reason. It was almost enough to really sell what they were going for, but not quite. I still think they could have done it better. But this fight, the choreography in this fight between Vader and Obi-Wan, I thought was fantastic. It was exciting from beginning to end. The saber skills were great. Uh, you know, you have the, the kind of ebbs and flows uh, of, of a fight between really a Jedi at full power and a Sith at full power. But they're not just fighting as a Jedi and a Sith. They're also fighting with all of this rage and grief and hatred and anger and everything that's gone into their relationship in the past is poured into this fight and you could feel it all. So I've given the choreography a tough time on the show so far. It was really well done, I thought, in this fight. Of course, you have the moment where Vader thinks that he wins the fight, and maybe it was because he had the high ground, and that's what Obi-Wan apparently always taught him. If you have the high ground, you win.
win the fight. And so he does the Vader thing and walks away and leaves Obi-Wan for dead. Again, this was the one part of the fight sequence that I thought could have used a little bit more oomph. Uh, it could have been a little bit more impactful because you have Obi-Wan kind of buried underneath these rocks. He's keeping them at bay with the Force. And I, I like the dichotomy they're setting up where he has the, you know, you hear the audio of all the angry, terrible things, the disappointments in his life. And if he lets that in, then he's probably going to be crushed by these rocks. But then he remembers, uh, we see the faces of young Luke and young Leia, and it's kind of this connection to the positivity, to the light side of the Force, if you will. And that's what kind of drives him to push these rocks away and go back and finish Vader off. I get that you're selling young Luke and young Leia because it's an important part for this series. I wish they would have peppered in uh, some more things from Obi-Wan's life that were positive things for him besides just those two, because I think you could have tied together the whole franchise up to this point, at least for Obi-Wan's character, in a really meaningful way, in a way kind of when uh, Rey was hearing all of the voices of the Jedi in Star Wars uh, The Rise of Skywalker, which is not a movie that I particularly cared for, but that was something that I actually liked from that movie. So I think you could have had a little bit of extra emotional resonance there that you didn't quite get. But that took us to my favorite part of the fight, which is Obi-Wan kind of coming back fully powered. He gains the upper hand on Vader. He's throwing all these rocks around. And then he just kind of starts hacking and slashing and he's shorting out electronics. And we start hearing that labored Darth Vader breathing that we heard in Return of the Jedi. We know that that's not good news. And then he lands the, you know, the big shot that takes off part of Vader's helmet. And just that visual. And this was worth, even if they hadn't done any of the other flashbacks with Hayden Christensen, this alone was worth bringing him back. This visual of the Anakin or the, the body of Anakin that Obi-Wan knew kind of fractured and underneath the shell of a Darth Vader mask. It, it was really kind of a terrifying visual. It was such great design from the makeup and the costume departments. And also, I think the sound department needs to get a shout out here because the way that they mixed Hayden Christensen's voice with James Earl Jones's voice so that you would hear Hayden Christensen sometimes a little bit more. But when he really got deep into Vader mode, you would hear the James Earl Jones voice more. Anakin's gone. I am what remains. A great job by a group of folks that are often not given uh, their full credit uh, on the sound team. They really help to make that scene a lot more impactful. But all of the technical stuff wouldn't matter if the character stuff wasn't there. And I loved what they did with this confrontation because they didn't make it sort of Anakin Skywalker's final goodbye to Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was really Darth Vader saying, there is no Anakin Skywalker here. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. He died at the feet of Palpatine on Coruscant. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. It really is a chilling moment, and it's an important one for Obi-Wan Kenobi just on a character level because this whole series he's been racked with grief and guilt over Anakin and, and, and the fact that Anakin's been transformed and turned into this monster, and then you realize that he was already the monster, that Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't kill Anakin. He certainly was part of his transformation into what Darth Vader has become, but this is what allows him to finally let go of his former student. And Ewan McGregor really 
nailed that performance. I mean, it's right up there with his You Were My Brother Anakin speech in Revenge of the Sith. You, you just see all of these different emotions playing on his face, sadness, anger, uh, terror, and then that resignation uh, that he is truly not looking anymore at the Anakin Skywalker that he once knew. Goodbye, Darth. This sequence alone really delivered on the promise of this show and what I think a lot of fans, including myself, were looking for in a resuscitation of the Obi-Wan Kenobi Darth Vader storyline that we were promised. Admittedly, it was a bumpy ride, but I think what they were able to do here with this resolution is to make a Darth Vader Anakin Skywalker storyline that didn't feel superfluous. By getting Obi-Wan to where he is, by having Darth Vader, even with the face of Anakin Skywalker, but Darth Vader finally confronting Obi-Wan, this actually felt like a really important character moment for both both of them and it does sort of bridge that gap between the prequel trilogy and the original Star Wars movies. So on that note, it gets an A+. On the Obi-Wan Darth Vader stuff that I wasn't really sure what to expect from this week, uh, it absolutely knocked it out of the park. Home run, everything I could have wanted uh, from this confrontation and more erased all of my skepticism and I definitely had my doubts. But of course, it wasn't just the Darth Vader Obi-Wan Kenobi stuff. We also had other stuff going on in this episode. Uh, we had Reva, who was on Tatooine. She was definitely the B story of this episode, and last week I talked about the fact that I wasn't really necessarily buying into any kind of a redemption arc that the show might be having for her, and a lot of people jumped in the comments saying like, well, no, 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 she's not on a redemption arc. Obviously, she's fallen to the dark side, so she's not going to be a character that's redeemed. As it turns out, the way that the show left it, neither one of us were really right. Neither me saying she was on a redemption arc or people saying that she had fully turned to the dark side and wasn't going to be redeemed as a character. I honestly did not anticipate Reva's motivation uh, for going to Tatooine to be killing Luke as revenge for Vader killing the younglings at the Jedi Temple. Obviously, she had sussed out that there was some kind of connection between Luke on Tatooine and Vader and that he may be in some way important, but it went in a direction that I actually hadn't anticipated. Maybe others did, but I didn't. And the idea of trying to hurt Vader, but kind of becoming him, was something that was not subtly translated to the audience. It was pretty well hit straight on the head, but it was not where I thought that they were gonna go with Reva. I thought that they would actually go uh, pretty concretely one way or the other. And I think what happened was that this episode kind of humanized her character more than the five previous episodes really did combined. I failed him. He killed them all and I couldn't do it. And I think that Moses Ingram did a really good job in this episode because she has to run the, the gamut of different emotions. They're obviously leaving Reva open to return in some capacity later, whether that's in a potential second season of this show, whether it's in her own spinoff show or some future Star Wars show uh, to be named. And I'll be honest, she's not one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe, but I think that the writers, instead of taking a concrete path, left her a little more conflicted and a little more human. And, and I'm okay with that open-ended this because if they never return that to that character then I think that we took a journey with her this season and if they decide to go back to Reva I think that there is some real estate left to explore. 
We also had Leia getting back home to Alderaan, so yay. I was never really, this wasn't my favorite storyline of the season. I, I think that it was a, an all right inciting incident, but I don't think that it was really, I think it was really an obstacle, honestly, to the story's progression than a help as the season went on. I know that a lot of people love young Leia. I thought she, that she was fine, not so much like for performance reasons, but you know, she had her moments definitely that I thought were great. But overall, I think it was really the storyline that kind of became repetitive. She was in the background when she needed to be, but she was a crucial character when the story needed her to be. We do get confirmation in this episode that she knows Obi-Wan Kenobi as Obi-Wan and not Ben. Goodbye. Obi-Wan. And so that makes the meshing together of this movie with A New Hope uh, a little more difficult along with some of the Vader stuff. It's not impossible. You just kind of have to slant and, you know, close one eye. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. It's going to bother me a little bit as I return to this show in the years going ahead. But at the same time, I think that they wrapped up stuff in, in enough of a satisfactory way uh, that I can be happy with this show, even though I'm not particularly happy necessarily with how it fits into the overall franchise. And one reason why I can be happy with the show is because I do think it actually wrapped up the Leia and Obi-Wan storyline in a kind of sweet way where he's able to share the memories that he can without betraying their identities, but what he can share about Padme and Anakin to Leia. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. And again, I think this is an important character moment for Obi-Wan because it's one of the first times that he sees in his mind Anakin not as Darth Vader, not as what Anakin has become, but as what Anakin was. Passionate and fearless, forthright. And these are gifts from your father. So I thought that this was a very sweet moment between these two characters. Yes, it does kind of violate some mythology stuff, but you know, I'm not gonna let that hamper my entire enjoyment of the show. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we got a Qui-Gon Jinn cameo from Liu Neeson. I think that we all knew that this was gonna happen. I wish that the show hadn't mentioned uh, Qui-Gon quite as much and had Obi-Wan trying to talk to him because I think it was pretty well telegraphed, whereas perhaps it could have been more of a surprise if they dropped his name one or two fewer times throughout the run of the series. There wasn't really that much to the cameo. It was basically him just saying like, hey, you know, I've been around uh, hanging out. You just weren't ready. Let's, let's go. Let's, we got some stuff to do. Come on. We've got a ways to go. I would honestly be fine if season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi was like an odd couple type situation comedy that was filmed in front of a live audience where it's like, you know, Force Ghost Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of them's a slob and the other one's neat. What are they going to do? I mean, they've already done something kind of like this with WandaVision on Disney Plus, so they could figure out how to do it. You also had Ian McDiarmid returning as Palpatine, although they didn't really go too heavy on the makeup. It actually kind of felt like uh, he recorded his cameo as Palpatine like in his living Living room and Liam Neeson was able to do his Qui-Gon bit out in his front yard because you can do things from pretty much anywhere nowadays. It is interesting, though, to see these characters kind of reconvening in live action. I know that they were peppered throughout uh, a lot of the animated Star Wars universe uh, and novels and stuff. Uh, but for those of us, you know, who are not quite as into the animated side just yet, I'm, I'm mainly a live action guy when it comes to Star Wars. I think that it is cool to see it kind of expanding beyond the borders of the movies and seeing uh, the lines kind of blur together, even if it's kind of a weird blur from time to time, uh, but creating this patchwork of of a story that runs throughout all of the different trilogies. Perhaps your feelings for your old master have left you weakened. 
Something else that a lot of people have been anticipating that we got was a hello there from Obi-Wan as he meets Luke at the end of this episode. Hello there. And I think it really speaks to just the randomness of pop culture that there's a line that that Alec Guinness probably didn't think anything about. It is really kind of a nothing line from the original Star Wars that he uttered out in the Tunisian desert almost 50 years ago. Hello there. And here we are, we have people making memes and waiting for Ewan McGregor to say it, uh, you know, in this streaming show uh, on Disney+. Plus. It's, it's just weird how these little tiny things can get plucked out of the things that we love and become these big cultural moments. So with how this show wrapped up, Obi-Wan is pretty much heading to where we found him in Star Wars A New Hope, and there has been some talk about a potential second season of this show, and honestly, even though I think that uh, there was some fantastic stuff in this finale, some really great stuff, I'm not really that high on a second season because... What what more can you do that, that you haven't done? You've brought in Luke, you brought in Leia, you brought in Darth Vader, you had this big climactic fight. What more could Obi-Wan be doing that would be that important? It'd be kind of like making a second prequel trilogy after the first prequel trilogy that was still set before A New Hope because, I mean, yeah, some stuff happens, but what could possibly happen that you haven't already covered uh, in that previous prequel trilogy? It would just seem kind of superfluous. And this wasn't exactly a sprawling story, despite the fact that it was six episodes. The total runtime of Obi-Wan Kenobi, when you take out credits and trailers and previously on, etc., was a little over three and a half hours. I think you could probably cut it down a little bit and make a pretty solid two and a half hour movie. So I hope that Disney maybe learns from some of its past mistakes and honestly some of its current mistakes about kind of overindulging in these characters and these franchises and lets Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of lie where he rests right now instead of reviving it for a second season. Of course, now that I've said this, probably by the time that this is aired in the morning, they'll have announced a season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but you know, a, a guy can dream, right? So when I look back on the series as a whole, I generally like the first two episodes, although I do think that the action choreography on things like the Leia running away from the kidnappers thing was was kind of sloppy and, and laughable at times. Episode three, I thought, had some great moments, although it also had some character motivation things and some choreography things that I wasn't quite sure about. Episode four, I'd say, was my least favorite because it just sort of seemed unnecessary. It seemed like we were repeating beats. Uh, it didn't really seem like we, we got that much further down the road uh, in that episode. I think that last week's episode was just sort of setting the table for this week and that's often what you see in the pre-season or series finale episodes and then this episode ranges from uh some of my favorite star wars stuff ever to stuff that i liked but maybe didn't love so all of that is pretty much the definition of a mixed bag when we look at it in context of the other disney plus star wars shows I definitely like this show better than The Book of Boba Fett, which I thought was just completely directionless. I would say that on the whole, I like The Mandalorian Season 1 uh, altogether probably best out of any of the shows. I liked the ending of this uh, series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, better than the ending of The Mandalorian Season 2. I know a lot of people love that. I didn't love it. But I think that the season overall of The Mandalorian in its second season was stronger than a lot of the season of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, you know, I could really flip-flop but it'd definitely be above the book of Boba Fett and below the Mandalorian season one. And then I think this show and Mandalorian season two would probably kind of flip flop. Uh, but really, there was nothing that I've liked in any of these Star Wars shows as much as I liked the Vader Obi-Wan Kenobi stuff in this episode. That is my favorite thing to come out of any of these shows. When I look back on this series, yes, I'll think about the things that I didn't like as much, but the through line of Obi-Wan 
I think the show did what it needed to do in my mind to be a success. I do think it was very close to not being a success. This finale did a lot of favors for the series as a whole. And generally, I think that Disney is treading on very thin ice with all of their properties, not just Star Wars. They dodged a bullet here. I really think they did. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to dodge the next one, but this is what you have to be very careful of when you bring back these legacy characters because people are so invested in them, and yet if you have kind of a deficient story, then you can risk the long-term legacy of these characters because people go like, oh, well, that person wasn't as cool as I thought they were, as we saw with Boba Fett, or, oh, I wish they hadn't brought Obi-Wan Kenobi back at all. I know that some people are actually saying this about the show. I understand what Disney's trying to do, but you have to make sure that you succeed, and Disney has not always succeeded with these Marvel and Star Wars, etc. shows, and, and I worry that over time it's going to start wearing down on people. I think they pulled it out in the end, with Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I'll also be very anxious about what they're going to do next. So that wraps up my review of the first season of Obi-Wan Kenobi. What did you think? Were you on board with the finale? Was the show long gone from any redemption for you? Let me know down in the comments below. And stay tuned because right here later today, I've got my review of Baz Luhrmann's biopic Elvis, starring Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. I'm also going to be reviewing The Black Phone, which opens this week in theaters. I'm going to try to do a review of Triple R or RRR, which I was finally able to watch on Netflix either this week or next week. Of course, we'll be talking box office next Tuesday, as we always do here on the channel. So much going on as we're into the heart of summer movie and summer streaming and just the summer everything season. Thank you so much for watching. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor for today's show, Storyblocks. Storyblocks has an ever-growing library of 4K and HD footage, After Effects and Premiere Pro templates, music, images, sound effects, and more to give you everything you need to bring your stories to life. And it is always growing and demand-driven. All of these assets are also royalty-free, so you can use your downloaded content anywhere for commercial and personal use. And the Storyblocks Unlimited All Access Plan gives you unlimited downloads for the over 1 million plus assets in their library, so you can find the perfect fit, create more, and spend less without sacrificing quality. And you can find just about anything that you want on Storyblocks. If you want to make your own version of this finale episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, here we are on the sands of Tatooine, on which Boba Fett was left to die. And you can use this footage to represent the lava surface of Mustafar. I can hear the Imperial March playing now. If you want to travel through space, they also have effect shots like this, so you can pretend like you're zooming from planet to planet. And you can even use this footage as potential flashback footage to Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and the very crispy fate of Anakin Skywalker. And you can find out more right now by heading over to storyblocks.com slash Dan. That's S-T-O-R-Y-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com slash Dan, D-A-N, to check out their library and find the plan that's right for you. Thanks so much to Storyblocks for sponsoring this episode, and thank you for watching. Until next time, stay safe, and may the Force be with you. Bye.